You're listening to Voice America Kids, now with 33% more active ingredients and no artificial coloring. Stars could shine between the lines If you would let yourself go Find some place you know You can use your words, use your hands You can change the world, just pretend Express yourself, take a chance and you'll see It's time to express yourself, where teens talk and the world listens. Presented by Star Style Productions as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. You'll rock to an hour of adolescent fusion with your teen hosts and on-air reporters. Meet and chat with cool celebrities, exhilarating experts, and tenacious teens with subjects regarding anything and everything that you want to know. It's time to kick off the fun with our star teens. Welcome to Express Yourself. There's something about a holiday that isn't all about how much money you spend. That quote is from Hillary Burton, and of course the holiday in reference, um, the holiday that we're referencing in that quote is Halloween. Uh, hello and welcome to Express Yourself. We're a program by, for, and with creative young people. A platform to give teens a voice, right here on the Voice America Kids Network. My name is Joven Hundle, and today's theme is Halloween. Hello, and I'm Jack Palacos. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions and brought to you as an outreach service of the Be The Star You Are charity, a top nonprofit honored by GuideStar and great nonprofits. Please visit www.bethestarur.org to make a tax-deductible donation and get more information about how you can be a part of our mission to increase literacy and positive message media. Be The Star You Are needs your donations to help us help those in distress by providing books and other resources. We've launched our Operation Hurricane Disaster Relief Fund after a successful wildfire operation earlier this year, and we desperately need donations to help ship much-appreciated books to victims, so please donate today at www.bethestarur.org. And you can even donate through PayPal Giving Fund with no additional fees. Additionally, our brand new book, Be the Star You Are, Millennials to Boomers, Celebrating Gifts with Positive Voices in a Changing Digital World, is available now at CynthiaBryan.com slash online store. That novel, or that anthology, sorry, is written by what's in the title, Millennials to Boomers, and we encourage you to check that book out, as well as the other two anthologies we've published, which can also be found at the same link. And today, we're excited to be opening our show with reporter Kenneth John, who will be sharing his insights on his segment, 2020 Vision. Welcome, Kenneth. Hey guys, so for 2020 Vision's Halloween theme today, I'm going to be talking about a landmark horror movie, one that not only changed horror films forever, but was a cultural and social pioneer in many ways at once. And that movie is Night of the Living Dead. So Night of the Living Dead came out almost 50 years ago, but its significance is still felt today. It is truly one of the founding father type movies of the horror genre, up in the Hall of Fame with legendary films like Psycho, The Exorcist, and The Shining. It might even be one of the most important movies ever made, in general. So for a brief interview or overview, Night of the Living Dead, directed by George Romero and released in 1969, is around a group of characters surviving attacks from corpses that seem to have come back to life with the goal of devouring the flesh of the living. So what makes Living Dead so special? You may have already guessed one main reason why this movie is so important. This film not only invented zombies, but the entire zombie apocalypse genre, the exact genre that was propelled into the mainstream spotlight in recent years with The Walking Dead. That show is basically a reboot in its purest form of Romero's original par- premise of flesh-eating corpses stumbling around and overrunning human settlements and forts. Then, of course, the list of zombie movies and shows goes on from there. Classics like Shaun of the Dead, 28 Days Later, and Living Dead's sequel, Dawn of the Dead, are all descendants of this one movie. 
Yet, Living Dead still changed cinema far beyond just the creation of zombies. For one, this movie took gore to new heights. Never before had films shown blood, intestines, severed limbs with such detail, not to mention the fact that the movie explicitly shows monsters feasting on them. Then there was the psychological aspect of the movie. I'm not going to explain anything in detail, as I really don't want to spoil anything for the precise reason that the, this movie is dark, and it was certainly dark in a new way for audiences back then. This is one of my primary reasons for why I believe this half-a-century-year-old movie still holds up today. Watching the internal conflicts of the characters is genuinely nerve-wracking and kind of heartbreaking. The depictions of violence in this movie were kind of disturbing that had never really been seen before. There's a constant struggle for the characters to move past doomed loved ones and become heartless to survive. And the ending, the resolution to this movie is one of the first to be this bleak and depressing. This film also changed the business side of movie making as well. Night of the Living Dead is largely regarded as the first big indie movie, as it found huge success without a Hollywood studio. Romero originally made the film with a budget of $114,000, with about $6,000 coming from Romero and his partners themselves. This movie went on to make $30 million internationally, about $191 million today. Indie cinema legends like Quentin Tarantino and John Carpenter were all followers of Romero's first initial steps. And finally, the film was one of the first to star an African-American lead without making a big deal about it. The original script didn't specify what race's central character Ben was, but George Romero chose actor Dwayne Jones purely based on talent. And Ben is a true hero. He is consistently portrayed as a brave, noble, and helpful. So I believe this movie is a must-watch for anyone even slightly interested in film. It's fun to see all the parts that went on to inspire several aspects of pop culture. And even without that, I think it's genuinely entertaining. Of course, it is pretty old, so the effects and technicalities are far from perfect, but with its visual style, characters, and story, it's still able to make me feel on edge. For a movie this old to be able to give me that kind of thrill 50 years later, it's kind of amazing. For sure. I haven't seen that movie myself, and I'm definitely going to have to add it to my list after that great review. Um, and so, yeah, I wanted to ask you, so it seems like a lot of the stuff that the movie did, not even just on the production side, but outside of that, so whether it's, um, like how you were saying that it didn't go through a movie studio, it was one of those first indie films, and it also ended up casting an African-American actor. So I wanted to ask you, so what were like the contemporary response to a lot of these sorts of decisions by the filmmakers? Was it controversial at the time? Did it cause any outrage? Uh, yeah, it was pretty controversial. Uh, but in a way, that was kind of, kind of makes it funny. So basically, there was some debate when it first came out, came out about the age rating for the movie. The MPAA rating system had been established. So when the movie attracted a bunch of kids and teens... Uh, some children got traumatized in new ways, and parents got mad. And so that was kind of a cultural significant um, moment that happened in film history and kind of makes its horror aspect even more, I guess, lasting and kind of, you know, funny and entertaining. Um, there were also rumors that studios denied release of the film because of the African-American lead, um, you know, which isn't great. And it's nice that the film ended up being a smash hit and, you know, proving that wrong. Yeah, definitely. And I feel like George Romero probably didn't intend to traumatize little kids who, you know, they probably weren't meant to see the movie in the first place. But uh, when George was actually, like, creating the movie, do you know what was, like, really going through his head? Like, was it his goal to create such a controversial type of movie that would, you know, really change the whole game of movies? Or did he just want to make a cool zombie movie to scare people? Yeah, what's actually kind of cool about this is 
it's mostly believed that he was just trying to make some quick cash. So at the time, he was making a living, just kind of shooting commercials and industrial videos, and he wanted to make an easy horror movie for some fame and money. And with his talent, he kind of accidentally made a great film. And like was shown with his casting for Dwayne Jones, he focused more on the natural talent and quality of the filmmaking than any politics. And I think that really paid off in the end, where he kind of, you know, he made a good movie first, and then all of the cultural and social impacts came after. Definitely. And so I know you're very well-versed in a lot of the technical aspects of uh, movie production and all that. And so I wanted to ask you, was the movie innovative in maybe visual techniques, flourishes, any of that sort of thing? I can't think of any specific, you know, shots or anything. But what this movie kind of started is what George Romero kind of became famous for. So Romero's directing style is this very on the ground, you know, amateurish kind of thing. It's not really unprofessional, but he has this tendency to kind of just go around shooting as much as he can with as much, I guess, energy as he can, and then organizing it in the editing room. So what happens is, while you're watching the movie, just the way the camera moves and the way everything is shot, it's very thrilling, and it has this kind of raw energy that you can't find with, you know, um, you know, grand, like, swooping camera shots and things. And, yeah, it's kind of if you had little children making a video in their backyard, but, you know, just gave them, like, tens of thousands of dollars and a professional crew and cast. <laughs> yeah, I've definitely noticed that a lot of movies recently are kind of being made in sort of that similar style where instead of just these really clear, incredible shots at, like, this perfect angle, the cameraman might be kind of, you know, closer behind the people or... Yeah. You know, it just gives it more of a different perspective instead of this perfect angle that captures, you know, everything that's going on perfectly. It's kind of like this angle right behind them or to the side of them, which in a way can add more suspense, too, because, you know, you don't really know what's around the corner. Because I know, like, some movies have, they'll have the aspect of suspense where you can see the monster, but the main character can't. So then you're, like, scared because you know that it's there, but the character doesn't. Or, you know, like the other way where no one knows what's behind the wall. So you're like in the character's shoes. And I was just kind of wondering, like, when George was making this movie, uh, obviously, I feel like the idea of zombies, you know, like people coming back from life when they, even though people thought they were dead, you know, that's like not a completely new idea. But, you know, where did he develop the idea of, you know, what his zombies were going to look like? and all of that type of stuff, like what the zombies would look like or how they would sound, how they walked and moved, all of that. Well, I think mostly what he wanted to do is just kind of create a simple monster that, you know, it didn't have like too many amazing effects or too many amazing, you know, features on them. Just kind of like a raw, simple monster that could chase the heroes around. And there's also that emotional aspect that I think he was really interested in. So, you know, with zombie movies, there's a lot of, there's a lot of instances in like zombie shows and movies and stuff where it gets very personal and like the like a person who dies, a loved one who dies or a friend comes back as like a horrifying monster and then the characters kind of have to accept that, you know, those people are dead and those people are going to try to kill you now and you know, they're kind of like animals or monsters and you have to live with that. And yeah, I think that emotional impact was like a big part of why Romero kind of made these uh, the zombie concept. 
There's also another theory, which I think is kind of a reach, but I think it's still pretty interesting. The zombies supposedly represent, like, the American masses and, like, the how American masses are so brainwashed with, you know, like, capitalist and materialistic ideals. And, you know, so they're just kind of stumbling around trying to get what they want without really thinking about anything. And I don't know if that's particularly true, but it's an interesting idea. Yeah, that that is a pretty interesting idea. And I think it's kind of cool when movies do that. Like, when they take something that, you know, you can interpret it really obviously as just zombies that are brain dead and they just want to kill people because they're zombies. But you could also interpret it as like what you said how people were just kind of brain dead and just going with the system and i think that's really cool when movies have that ability where you can take it up to a whole new level of interpretation or you could just simply watch the movie and not give it a second thought so yeah i definitely do agree that this movie was um you know really just had such a huge impact on the movie industry and horror industry as a whole and I haven't gotten around to watching but watching it, but I definitely think that now I probably have some good reasons to look into watching it. And that was such a great segment. And, you know, I really like listening to your 2020 Vision segments because I always just find them just really informative and interesting because I'm one of the people that watches movies and they just watch them and enjoy them. I don't really analyze them. But I think it's kind of cool to take a step back and really, like, dive deep into the true meaning of movies or what the directors and actors were thinking. So, yeah, I really like how you kind of convey that through your segment. But unfortunately, that's all the time that we have for this segment. So we'll be happy to invite you back for the next segment so that we can continue talking about movies and whatnot. So listeners, please be sure to support our show in these amazing segments by donating to Be The Star You Are Charity. That brings you this program. We have a lot of fun events coming up, so make sure to check those out at www.bethestarur.org and follow our blog. I'm Jack Palacos. And I'm Joven Hundel. Make sure to also watch Be The Star You Are's fun and informative videos at youtube.com slash be the star you are. Make sure to also purchase our new anthology, Be The Star You Are, Millennials to Boomers, celebrating gifts of positive voices. Uh, which this chapter comes at cynthiabryan.com slash online store. And make sure to keep listening as we continue our show with Kenneth on the gift of Halloween. Are you a teen interested in becoming a radio personality? The positive message outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity trains dedicated young people to be reporters and hosts on Express Yourself Teen Radio. Visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com for information. That's ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Don't forget to tune in to Express Yourself Tuesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Kids, where teens talk and the world listens. We don't care how you got here. We're just glad you showed up. You're listening to Voice America Kids. You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. 
Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. Welcome back. You're listening to Express Yourself Teen Radio on the Voice America Kids Network. Our show is by, for, and with creative young people, and today's theme is all about Halloween. My name is Joven Hundle. And my name is Jack Palacos. For this segment, we're really happy to be continuing our discussion from last segment with their excellent reporter, Kenneth John, with a special treat of another Halloween edition of his segment, 2020 Vision. Take it away, Kenneth. Hello again, everyone. And Jack, I'd just like to thank you for all that praise you gave me in the last segment. Uh, now yeah, that I'm no feeling all, you know, confident, 2020 is back for another segment today, since what time is better than Halloween to talk about movies and shows? You know, other than maybe like the winter holidays and Oscar season, but Halloween's still a pretty <laughs> special time. Uh, so we're going to keep it simple this time and just share some movie recommendations. Uh, since a lot of people already have a lot of horror classics on their bucket list, you know, including the one I just gave you, I'll be going for more funny and lighthearted films this time. Uh, here are three of my personal suggestions for more lighthearted Halloween recommendations. So first off is Shaun of the Dead. Directed by Edgar Wright and released in 2004, this movie is easily on my top 20 list for best movies of all time. And if you remember, I named this movie as one of those classics inspired by Night of the Living Dead earlier. Essentially, it's a zombie apocalypse movie with a comedic twist. Instead of revolving around a brave hero defeating monsters to save the last remaining humans, the main character is a lazy slacker who stumbles around just trying to survive with his friends and with his ex-girlfriend back in the process. Almost every single second contains a hilariously creative joke whether it be through the sound effects, editing, writing, or acting. And Edgar Wright's filmmaking is a wonder to behold. The way he inventively delivers information, his fun transitions, and how he just exudes humor just through his visuals and shot compositions. It's all great. I need to add a small disclaimer, though. I may have liked just a tiny bit. This movie does have a couple jump scare moments, and there's a good amount of blood and gore, especially near the end. But at least for me, most of these moments are undercut with a joke, mixing humor and horror to create an adrenaline-filled atmosphere of excitement. Uh, If this sounds like your thing, check it out. And again, maybe ask an adult, since it is rated R and it can get a little intense with swearing and violence. Now, second is what we do in the shadows. Again, this movie ranks pretty high in my list of favorites, maybe even higher than Shaun of the Dead. Directed by Taika Waititi, who you may recognize as the director of Thor Ragnarok, and released in 2015, it's filmed in the style of a documentary, with the premise being that a documentary crew is invited into the home of three vampires to film their lives. This movie is one of the funniest I've ever watched, where Shaun of the Dead amuses with clever filmmaking details and moments sprinkled throughout the movie. What we do in the shadows makes me laugh out loud for minutes at a time with just plain comedic delivery and dialogue. That isn't to say this film isn't wildly creative. The blending of modern culture with old vampire tropes makes for great character interactions that consistently get better as the movie goes on. Think The Office, but with vampires and werewolves. And there are barely any real scares. It's all just spooky, lighthearted fun. And third is actually a TV show, and that TV show is Gravity Falls. And if you didn't think you could handle the other two, don't worry, this one's a children's Disney cartoon. Created by Alex Hirsch and running from 2012 to 2016, Gravity Falls is about a brother and sister who go to live with their great uncle in a small Oregon town and begin interacting with the supernatural creatures and beings that inhabit the area. And yes, it is a cartoon, but trust me, the atmosphere it is able to produce is actually pretty great. The show revolves around these two kids unlocking puzzles and discovering lake monsters, gnomes, unicorns, secret societies, all that stuff. Combine that with a beautiful retro 80s animation and coloring style, 
The show creates a nice, nostalgic sense of childlike wonder. Despite it being aimed for kids, the writing is really clever, and you can really feel all the effort that goes into the character and story work. Wonderful. Um, I Something that caught my eye about one of the movies you recommended, Shaun of the Dead, is Edgar Wright. I haven't seen Shaun of the Dead specifically, but I have seen um, Baby Driver and Hot Fuzz. I think you're definitely right. Like His filmmaking is something special with like all the action scenes and the transition being so well done. Uh, yeah, I think he's a great director, and I should start. I should watch Shaun of the Dead. Um, and so, yeah, I wanted to ask you then, Kenneth. So, if you were to pick out one scene from each of these different shows to kind of give people a good sense of what the movie or show is like, uh, which ones would they be? Um, well, for Shaun of the Dead, like you said, um, I guess taking a scene where Edgar Wright just really shows off, like his writing and directing would be a great one. So there's a particular scene where Sean, the main character, goes to a convenience store to like buy ice cream. And the zombie apocalypse has already happened. There are just zombies walking around, like stumbling around. There are like blood stains on the floor. And the whole premise is that Sean, just being the lazy slacker that he is, just doesn't notice any of it. And that scene is just hilarious to me. Like that whole idea of just such a like oblivious character just walking through the end of the world and without realizing. Yeah. It's one of the really like funny moments, and I think it kind of encompasses a good feel of what the movie is. Yeah, uh, so what we do in the shadows, again, this is kind of all about the characters. Like I said, you know, like The Office or Parks and Rec, uh, just with vampires and werewolves. Um, you know, the things the characters say are really funny. So there's a specific scene where one of the characters uh, named Deacon introduces himself uh, and like how he became a vampire. and it's just like the way the scene is written, where it seems like it's going to go into this, you know, grand tale about vampires and castles and all that. And just the way it's delivered, where he just talks about like, uh, like, oh, I went into a castle and I got bit and now I'm a vampire. I don't know. The acting is just great. And uh, it's really hilarious. I think people should watch it if you want to get a sense of what we do in the shadows is. Um, so Gravity Falls. Uh, I guess I'll recommend an episode for this one. There's an episode titled Summerween, which is the closest thing you get to a Halloween episode. It's basically like in that one town, there is a Halloween during the summer just because the townspeople love Halloween so much. And it's, it, it's great. It's kind of like it shows off the very, very small traces of horror elements that go into it. You know, it's not it's obviously not very scary, but that kind of sense of like running around, defeating monsters, things like that. And, you know, the coloring style with all the Halloween decorations is really great. Yeah, I think that episode will be, would be, like, a good way to take in all of, like, the atmosphere of Gravity Falls. You know, I think it's actually yeah. funny. Um, the scene that you recommended from Shaun of the Dead, where you said that Shaun's just kind of walking around uh, going to get ice cream and he doesn't notice all the zombies around him. It made me think of your explanation or the theory that you brought up in the last segment about Night of the Living Dead and how that could be like a metaphor oh, yeah. like half dozen tears. I don't know, it's funny, it just made me think of that. <laughs> that doesn't even connect to my mind, wow. Yeah, yeah that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and uh, I, I also want to just add that when I was a bit younger, I did, uh, I watched all of Gravity Falls, so I know exactly what you're talking about and I, I definitely really liked that show 
and I totally agree too how it was you know made for kids, but it definitely had this adult aspect to it as well yeah. that you could just tell you know they put in a lot of effort into it, and it was pretty creative. And overall, honestly, the storyline was pretty detailed towards the end. Yeah, and I just remember like that was that was just a pretty good show, and but that was. At least for me, uh, this might be different for other people, but that was the only show that I recognized personally uh, out of the three you mentioned. So I was just curious, um, you know, do you know any other movies or shows that kind of fit in the same categories but are super popular so that pretty much everyone just kind of knows them? Um, so for Shaun of the Dead, like, uh, yeah, like the movies Hot Fuzz and Baby Driver, like our other Egg Wright movies, so... They kind of contain the same uh, filmmaking techniques and flourishes that Edgar Wright uses for all his films, and so that'd be kind of a like good, very specific way to see what Shaun of the Dead would kind of be like with all his editing and writing things like that. Um, but I think a comparison to maybe something like Guardians of the Galaxy, I guess, where it's kind of a subversion of you know the common superhero tropes. Uh, they're these very like selfish characters that are not very you know motivated and they all just kind of forced together as misfits it's kind of that premise but instead of you know being a superhero action movie it's more of a like horror comedy movie and you know like Shaun the Dead is much more you know vulgar and violent but yeah uh what we do in the shadows yeah like I really can't see any better comparison than to something like The Office where they have the exact same, like, talking head interviews and, you know, that kind of awkward humor where, like, people stare into the camera after someone does something weird. Yeah, if you want to see something like that, but, you know, Halloween-themed, what we do in the shadows would be pretty great. Uh, Gravity Falls. Uh, best comparison, I think, would be to Adventure Time, the largely popular Cartoon Network show. It's kind of the same thing. I think uh, Adventure Time is a little more, uh, I guess like fantastical and yeah just more fantasy based you go into like more about the weirdness of the world and like how everyone's like an animal or some like kind of princess gravity falls is a bit more grounded but it still kind of has that like sense of exploring the world and encountering different monsters and things like that yeah and um so i also wanted to ask you then so out of, you know, out of these sh- oh, the two movies and one show you brought up, you started the segment saying that, you know, there's some, like, lighthearted ways to enjoy Halloween compared to, you know, the usual, like, watching horror films and all that. And so with horror films, you know, a lot of people don't like to watch them alone. They get scared. They want to watch it together uh, with other people. But I wanted to ask you then about your recommendations. Do you think these are stuff that you should watch alone with friends? Uh, what do you think about the best ways to watch them? Um, I think watching them with friends would be fine, especially what we do, what we do in the shadows, I think would be a great movie to watch with friends. There's just a lot of like big laugh moments and the humor is just very simple and easy to understand. Yeah, but it just it works really well, so it's just nice to. I think it'd be very nice to just watch with other people to laugh along with it. Um, Shaun of the Dead, I think, could pretty much work with anything. Just the way, like, it's very like technically uh, perfect. So just watching it in any environment would work. If you wanted to watch it as like an intense horror movie, you could kind of do that. Watch it in the dark. If you wanted to watch it as just like uh, pure comedy, you could do that with friends. You know, during the daytime. And Gravity Falls, uh, 
I think pretty much anything is fine too. Like I remember as a younger kid, I watched it a lot, just kind of on my couch, relaxing at the end of the day or something like that. Um, yeah, it's very nice where it's a little episodic in nature, so you can watch it from time to time. Or you know, like especially near the end, the storyline gets very like intricate and complex, and then you can you know binge watch the last few episodes, things like that. Yeah, so mostly they were kind of work in every way. I guess it's just more depending on how you want to view them personally and your personal experience. Good to know. So yeah, that was really interesting, kind of. And I wanted to thank you for taking the time to come on the show for two segments today. Uh, I want to echo Jack's thoughts in the previous segment. We always love hearing your fascinating segments. Um, audience, make sure to stay on for more insights from our great Express Yourself crew. My name is Joven Hundle. And my name is Jack Palacos. Visit www.bethestarryouare.org for more information about Express Yourself and Be The Star You Are. Visit www.bethestarryouare.org slash events where you can also find out more about upcoming opportunities for spreading positivity as a part of our charity. This has been another segment of Express Yourself Teen Radio, so make sure to keep listening for more about our theme of Halloween. Show the world your smile, be the star you are. If you are ready to be inspired, energized, and edutained, you've come to the right place with our two life-changing programs at BeTheStarYouAreRadio.com. Live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's our lifestyle show, Star Style, Be The Star You Are, with hosts Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany. On Tuesdays at noon Pacific, Teens Talk and the World Listens on Express Yourself Teen Radio on Voice America Kids. Come play with us at BeTheStarYouAreRadio.com. Sometimes we may sound strange, but remember, we're just kids with opinions. You're listening to Voice America Kids. You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. Welcome back to our inspirational and uplifting show. This is Express Yourself Teen Radio, continuing a fun Halloween-themed show. My name is Joven Hundle. And my name is Jack Palacos. In our segment, we will be hearing from my amazing co-host for today with another uh, with another World Watch report. So take it away, Joven. Hey, y'all. Uh, for this Halloween-themed edition in my segment, World Watch, I thought I would talk about the history of one of our favorite holidays. A lot of what we do on Halloween seems so very arbitrarily defined. You dress up as someone or something, you maybe go around asking for candy using those same three words, trick or treat. Uh, you're maybe one of the people staying at home handing it out to the people asking. Uh, lots of people eat candy corn, it's very much associated with this time of year, and many people also decorate their house. So if we start all the way back from the beginning to try and get a sense of where the origins of this holiday came from, 
Uh, Halloween's ancestor was the ancient Celtic New Year celebration in Ireland. So this New Year celebration was on what we would say in our modern day calendar as November 1st. It's supposed to mark the end of summer as determined by the end of the harvest season. So as soon as the uh, harvest would be done on approximately November 1st, the Celts would have their New Year's, uh, New Year celebration, which went by the name of, forgive my pronunciation, uh, Samhain. And so this holiday would usher in the new season of winter, which was associated as being darker and colder and also associated in Celtic folklore as being related to death. So this, we see our first clear correlation with our modern Halloween, Halloween holiday. And as the seasons change to one often thought of as related to death, the New Year's celebration on November 1st would be the day that the worlds of the living and dead were supposed to merge for the time being. So the ghosts of the dead would end up returning, and prophecies could be made in anticipation of what would be ahead. So popular celebrations on this day would include bonfires, where various crops and animals would actually be sacrificed in the um, sacrificed in the bonfire as a nod to many of the Celtic deities out there. And additionally, something interesting that the Celts did was they would actually wear costumes. That's right. The Celts would actually wear costumes made out of animal skins and would use animal heads for what we might think of today as masks around your face. So they would leave the actual followed prophecies then to the priests, but they would mingle with each other and even make predictions about what lay in store in the future as the harvest season ended for that year. And to finish off the celebration, the bonfires earlier used for sacrifices and later extinguished would actually be relit to deal with the harsh winter ahead. And so this Celt New Year Festival was the first instance we see of a sort of Halloween-related holiday, both in practice and also in the relative time period that it was held in. But we next see our first, I and mean, we next see another Halloween correlated holiday with a Roman holiday, actually. And so with the Rome, with the Romans, they conquered Celtic lands, and at this point we see our first sort of fusion of holidays. So the Romans had these two festivals, one of which was near the end of October, where the Romans uh, commemorated the passing of the dead. And the second holiday that they had around that time span was to honor Pomona, who was the Roman goddess of fruit and trees. And so with the, they sort of merged these two holidays in Ireland and surrounding areas in that uh, the Celtic New Year festival already had the ghosts of the dead coming up. One of the Roman festivals was about the passing of the dead, so those two were kind of merged. And then additionally, the second holiday that the Romans had around that time period to honor Pomona, the, Rom the goddess, uh, her symbol actually back then was the apple. And so it's from this festival where we get the modern tr day tradition now of bobbing for apples. And so at uh, and so this was our first little um, merging of cultural holidays that resulted in uh, another ancestor Halloween. And then so meanwhile, on sort of the other end of the continent, we have the Pope who would, we, where we had these three Catholic festivals, which was All Martyrs Day, All Souls Day, and All Saints Days, which also known as All Hallows Day. So this one, um, I actually remember 
reading the popular book series Magic Treehouse when I was a little kid. And I remember vividly how they had this one little story where they went back in time hundreds of years to a Catholic, some sort of like Catholic parish where they were celebrating All Hallows Day. And I just have this vivid memory of the raven in the story and the celebration that went along with that. And I just, um, so what I remember from reading that book then is that there is this common color of black. So today when we have this like dark and scary, we have like orange for the pumpkins and jack-o'-lanterns, but otherwise, you know, black, whether it's bats or other stuff is commonly associated with the holiday. And so that uh, came then from that All Hallows Day, those three um, Catholic festivals. So after that, a couple hundred years later, we have Halloween making its first appearance in America. So up in New England, where we get a lot of our American holidays, such as Thanksgiving, uh, they weren't as open to the whole theme of holiday, just because, uh, not open to Halloween as much, just because up there in New England, it was more Puritan and Protestant based. So they didn't really warm up to the idea of a Catholic holiday. But down south in Maryland and the south, actually, uh, Halloween first began to take root. And so at this point, with uh, um, dozens of American Indian tribes sort of merging with the general American populace, then we saw a lot of traditions and cultural events from Native American uh, folklore happening during the same time period sort of merged in with Halloween. Um, fast forward another century or two, and we see Halloween becoming a very much community-based event. So neighbors would get together, they would prank each other, there would be talk of ghosts and witchcraft and all that. And yeah, so every October 31st then, um, neighborhoods would have games, they would celebrate something similar to what the Celts did with the end of the harvest. And so later on, by about the 1950s, Halloween was targeted mainly at the young. So then after the baby boom following World War II, we saw all these new Halloween traditions being targeted specifically at younger individuals. And so it was at this point where, you know, you get your candy corn, you start getting all these pumpkin uh, traditions, and especially the new costumes. And so trick-or-treating also came about at this time as a relatively inexpensive way for the entire community to share in and contribute with the Halloween celebration. However, it was interesting because back at this time when trick-or-treat first became a thing, there was a lot of emphasis also on the trick and not just on the treat as in people would play pranks on each other. And so, yeah, I just thought it would be interesting to go over some of the origins of Halloween for this segment. And I hope you guys learned a thing or two. I definitely learned a thing or two. Um, and also, I just think that I want to point out, too, that like you said, um, you know, more towards the beginning of your segment, that people would often wear like animal skins and animal heads kind of for ceremonies and as their costumes. I personally think that that would be way scarier now than any costume that anyone could wear. Just Very like true. picturing someone in an animal's like a real <laughs> animal head, that would be definitely a pretty frightening sight. And so, you know, you talked a lot about how there was, you know, Roman festivals that were similar to modern day Halloween. And I was just curious, uh, is Halloween celebrated 
like what places in the world other than the U.S. is Halloween celebrated? And, you know, among places that aren't, that don't celebrate Halloween, are there other places that celebrate holidays that, that are similar to Halloween? Yeah, for sure. So I think, uh, so a lot of different countries have like some sort of celebration, you know, around this time period. But a lot of the traditions that we in America associate with Halloween, I think, are mainly uh, limited to just us, but there are definitely a lot of different similar ones around the world. And a big one is in Mexico, the Dia de los Muertos, or the Day of the Dead. So the Day of the Dead, you're um, paying tribute to your ancestors, to um, other people in your family, all that. And so there's that aspect of death, especially. It's used as a way to sort of teach young children that you know, death is a part of life, and this is how we do end up paying respects to our ancestors. And so, uh, we saw just around this time last year, the movie, the Pixar movie Coco came out, which was all about the Day of the Dead. And something that was interesting about this movie was that it ended up making a lot of money in China. And so, something that was interesting about that is that they have a sort of similar holiday around the same time period. That it's more related to the Day of the Dead than it is to Halloween, but along those lines, where they do, there is this aspect of the supernatural and like spirits, and it's also tied into the whole concept of the family, which is very, very important in Eastern culture, and they also celebrate the people who have now uh, passed away, and also use it as a way to teach young people about death. And so, yeah, those are some examples of somewhat related uh, holidays around the world. Ah, that's really cool. And my uh, one last question, speaking of Halloween, what are your Halloween plans this year? And, uh, you know, do you know what you're going to wear this year at all? Or are you going to even, you know, do like what, what are your plans for Halloween this year? Yeah, you know, I'm not completely sure yet, but... If I do dress up, it probably won't be, you know, as like a character or anything, probably just some things I have around the house that I can fashion some sort of costume out of. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so I'll do, I'll do a rain check on that one. <laughs> okay. Well, if you're not going to, you know, because we do outgrow growing, uh, outgrow costumes, what was your favorite costume or memory that you had as a little kid when you would dress up? Yeah, so I remember um, loving my Mario and Harry Potter costumes the most. <laughs> and one really vivid memory I have is I think I was about like six, so pretty young. It was one of the first times that I actually went out and did the whole trick-or-treating. And I'm sure this has happened to a lot of us where we're walking up to this house and we're about to ring the doorbell when suddenly someone scares us from the side and some of the little statues and stuff that were in the yard turned out to actually be real people just dressing up. And so <laughs> I remember being scared out of my mind as a six-year-old. <laughs> yeah, that's always funny when I see people doing that because <laughs> you kind of think like, oh, wow, they're scaring a six-year-old. But it, it is pretty funny sometimes. <laughs> just cause it, it scares the adults, too, that are sometimes walking up with the kids. And then they totally think it's just a normal statue, and then all of a sudden it's a real person. So that even scares adults. So <laughs> I just want to say that this was this was actually a really great discussion, and I definitely like that aspect of Halloween. How you know, even though the mostly only little kids will dress up and go trick or treating, it still kind of is celebrated by people of all ages, whether it's teenagers who are hanging out with friends that night or going to parties or adults who are taking their kids to trick-or-treating, kind of 
now they're on the other end of the cycle when they used to be the ones trick-or-treating. I just think that's such a great part about Halloween in general and how its traditions have stuck with us for such a long time and continue to be celebrated every single year. So um, with that, stick around to hear my report on the 2018 Halloweens in my next segment that I'm going to be giving. Um, (laughs) So yeah, thank you for listening to Joven's amazing segment too, because as always, that was a lovely segment. And I'm Jack Kalakos. And I'm Joven Hundle. Uh, make sure to also visit bethestarewar.org and expressyourselfteenradio.com for more information about Express Yourself and BTSYA. This has been another segment of Express Yourself Teen Radio. Make sure to keep listening as we continue our very special Halloween show. Are you a teen interested in becoming a radio personality? The Positive Message Outreach Program of Be The Star You Are Charity trains dedicated young people to be reporters and hosts on Express Yourself Teen Radio. Visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com for information. That's ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Don't forget to tune in to Express Yourself Tuesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Kids, where teens talk and the world listens. We didn't invent Kid Talk, we perfected it, and at a very young age. You're listening to Voice America Kids. You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. Welcome back to our insightful show. My name is Jack Palacos, and now we're going to be continuing our Halloween-themed program. And my name is Joven Hundle, and for this segment, we are thrilled to be hearing from my awesome co-host for today, our great reporter, Jack Palacos. Take it away, Jack. Hello. My name is Jack Palacos, and I'm really excited to be sharing my segment, Trends Without Ends, today on our Halloween special. Today, I'm going to be talking about the current trends in Halloween, and what new costume ideas are out there, how people are scaring themselves, and... How much does this Fright Fest cost? So this year, popping up onto the Halloween scene is Ugly Halloween Sweaters, which I know sounds kind of weird, but it's kind of a takeoff from the Ugly Christmas Sweaters tradition, which I know most of you are probably familiar with. But now, if you like that enough, you can join in with the fun on Halloween. Some of the silly sweaters include silly pumpkin faces, silly pumpkin faces ridiculous sayings like, I boo what I want, or (laughs) with a ghost emblem, and the trendiest mini-ghosts every year were the theme Ghosted, which has the added reference to technology and ghosting people, but body painting is also taking off this year. However, the number one absolutely top-trending costume searched on Google is, well, you might have guessed it, Fortnite, which is one of the most popular online video games at the moment. Uh, A lot of people are actually dressing up as characters from the game. So what is Halloween good without a scare? Uh, In the let's get our heart pumping area um, or era, we're going to revisit the 80s. And the 80s might be known for corruption in the financial industry, but 
It was also the decade of horror movies, and for this reason, these Fright Fest movies are experiencing a resurgence. Some of the top movies are The Shining with Jack Nicholson and The Thing, A Nightmare on Elm Street, which um, (laughs) has a young Johnny Depp, in case you didn't know, and some of the other movies that will have you jumping out of your seat are Children of the Corn and the original Poltergeist. And a lot of these movies are, like I said, from the 80s, but they're kind of coming back up because they still do have the same scare factor that they did in the 80s as they will now and will always have because, honestly, they are pretty scary movies. So if you're looking to get scared on Halloween, you might want to consider watching one of them. And between movies, candy, parties, and costumes, Halloween is actually a pretty big business. This year, it's predicted that 185 million people in the United States will be celebrating Halloween, and the total spending for this frightening fund ends up at a whopping $9 billion. That's an incredible amount of money. And if you're curious to know how all of this gets tallied up, it's basically spent this way. About $2.6 billion are spent on candy, which I think is just incredible. And uh, the decorations for Halloween end up costing about $2.7 billion dollars. And most of it, however, is basically just spent on costumes, which account for over $3 billion on people just dressing up to look scary on Halloween, who wear the costumes, you know, one night a year and then never again. But it's all worth it for Halloween. So those are basically the year's trends on Halloween for 2018. Good to know. And so I want to ask you then, so what movie do you think is the scariest from that 80s horror film time period? Uh, Well, a lot of people would agree that The Shining and The Thing are among the top ranked in terms of being really unsettling or just just creepy, eerie, or at least that's how I describe The Shining. And The Thing is, you know, kind of, it's just a horrific movie in a sense. It's really scary. Uh, there's a lot of jump scares that you don't expect in it. So those two movies are really good. And then I think personally for me, I really enjoyed watching The Poltergeist, uh, the original one. I thought that one was pretty scary overall. Um, And yeah, just those three movies are uh, pretty scary overall. For sure. As someone who personally hasn't seen too, too many um, Halloween movies, but that one image of, you know, the twins and the shining is, will be forever etched into my mind. Um, and so I wanted to ask you then, so what are, you know, the favorite candies at Halloween? Okay. Uh, so the overall favorite candies for just the population in general appear to be Reese's, Snickers, Twix, Kit Kats, M&M's, Nerds, Sour Patch, and Skittles. But for me personally, um, I definitely, personally, my favorite candy, I think is either Twix or Kit Kats. I'm a big chocolate fan, and I also really like wafers. So those two together, you know, it's a really good combo for me. As a fellow Kit Kat fan, I fully agree. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, there's always that one neighborhood on the block who will give something like toothbrushes or like dental floss or just random stuff seeming to relate to teeth, I guess. But uh, what are some other candies that you think kids are most disappointed to end up getting? Uh, well, a quick little story about myself. Uh, one time when I was trick-or-treating, uh, maybe four or five years back, I do remember that one house actually did give me a little bottle of toothpaste, you know, like the type you get from 
the dentist's office, one of the little crest ones. And I actually wasn't too upset about that because for me personally, I really like those toothpastes and I didn't have any of that type because I had, you know, I had a different type of toothpaste. So I wasn't too disappointed because I had so much candy already, but (laughs) it definitely was a shocker to actually be handed toothpaste because you really think that's only something that you hear about or see in movies. But I think overall, a more common things that kids will get that they're pretty disappointed about is peanuts because a lot of kids, you know, they want candy, not nuts. And um, kids actually don't even, a lot of kids aren't really too fond of candy corn, especially, uh, I don't know if you know exactly what I'm talking about, but the type of candy that comes in the little wax Coke bottles, like those ones, a lot of kids aren't really... Yeah, they're not really satisfied with those. I don't like them too much myself. I just think they're kind of weird to eat. Um, a lot of kids don't like Tootsie Rolls and surprisingly Smarties, Smarties, which I personally really like. And uh, overall, just a lot of um, chocolate bars with nuts. Like more kids would be really happy with just a plain Hershey's bar as opposed to a Hershey's almond bar just because it has nuts in it. And kids just want their sweets to be sweets. Definitely. Um, And so, yeah, I want to thank you so much for appearing with us today, Jack. We always love hearing your interesting takes, news, and developments on Trends Without Ends. Uh, With that, however, it is sadly time to say farewell. We do give our thanks to Star Style Productions, Cynthia Bryan, Be the Star You Are, and our Voice America Kids crew, especially our voice in your ear, Josh. Uh, Thanks to our guests and reporters from across the world, and thank you to you, our listeners, for making us a top-rated program. I'm Joven Hundle. And I'm Jack Palacos. You've been listening to Express Yourself, an on-air global community where teens talk and the world listens. For information on our creative community, charity efforts, and outreach programs, go to our main site at www.bethestarur.org. Until next week, remember, trick or treat, be scared, be generous, and be here. Speak up, speak out, and express yourself. Thanks for joining us this week on Express Yourself. Produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, be sure to visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Please join us again next Tuesday at noon Pacific time, 3 p.m. Eastern, when teens talk and the world listens on the Voice America Kids channel. Until then, remember to express yourself. Stars that shine between the lines if you would let yourself